I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Rusok Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm right. Thanks, man. How are you? Very well, thanks. Roll necked up. I have acquired two new roll necks from an wow. undisclosed European city. Were they in the sale? <laughs> For me, they were. For me, they were. <laughs> They're really good. They're really, really good. I'm really like, really getting the last, squeezing the last few drops out of roll neck season. <laughs> <laughs> the last bit of roll deck juice. Exactly. <laughs> uh, good weekend. Very good, thank you. Nice. Really lovely. Uh, good. Well, your team did all right. Yes, yes, they did. Actually, they did. I mean, mm. expected, but did all right. Yeah. Highlight of my weekend was I managed to avoid you know that wild. And we won't go into any spoilers now, but that wild succession tra- succession trailer. No, sorry, the wild succession spoiler that everyone was talking about seeing mm. last week. I managed to avoid it for six days before I watched the episode. But because I'd seen that there was a spoiler going around, the thing that I thought, like basically I was still surprised when it actually happened because I thought it was going to be something else. So yeah, I was no, just, you like, did really like well to do shock. that. Can I say I as well, there's a, there's a bit of a John Wick spoiler as well that people didn't really even talk about online. And I thought, I oh, actually, I thought actually, respect the John Wick community. It's quite a, no Tight one gives lift. stuff away. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, you never know because John Wick might come after you. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, okay, if you give the spoilers away. That's terrifying. Okay, welcome after you. We've got a lot to get through today, but we might keep it quite like meandering because um, stuttering title races in or title challenges, let's say, in England mm, yes. and Germany. Yes, um, and a few other bits and bobs down the other end of the tables. So we'll probably stick to mainly Premier League and Bundesliga today, mm. uh, with a couple of shouts to some bits elsewhere. Uh, quick shout out to El Trafico. LAFC won their first El Trafico at the Galaxy. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, bit of a wild game as well. Some great goals, some great saves. Also, shouts to Newcastle United women who had 
I think 24,000 in at St. James's Park. Got a 6-1 win over Bradford. Hmm. There was also FA Cup this weekend, but I will direct you to Flo and the Gang. Yes. Counter-pressed. On counter-pressed. Yes. Go and check counter-pressed. If you haven't subscribed, search for counter-pressed on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Go and check Flo and the Gang twice a week. Um, Writers House this week, two pre-records that you and I did with Ian. Uh, one on iconic sporting venues from multiple sports, which I'm really excited about. That's going to go up, I think, Tuesday. And then on Friday, the cold-blooded 11. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that, that'll be fun. So go check those. And uh, check the ringer.com. Well, pretty much your needs on everything. Some good success. Speaking of succession, some good prestige TV stuff going up around succession. So, yeah, go check the ringer. Okay, that's all the admin. Yep. Should we get into it after this? Join us in the next part for some real footballing prestige TV. So I did that. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, man. Should we begin, uh, I need to say Upton Park, but let's begin at London Stadium because what's time to Arsenal 2? Um, twice in the matter of days mm. that Arsenal have dropped points from a two-goal lead. Dare I say, uh, dare I say West Ham did bring some of that Upton Park energy. They did, yeah. Maybe so fair to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Arsenal going two goals ahead in the early stages of the game. Two really good goals. Mm. One from uh, Gabriel Jesus, the other one from Martin Odegaard. The way they worked the first one in particular. Oh my so goodness. So good. And um, it looked like, okay, this is exactly what Arsenal need. Responding to City's win over Leicester the day before. Nice, calm, drama-free, three or four goal victory. And then they got a little bit casual. And interesting parallels with actually with the Man City game the day before where Man City beating Leicester 3-1, but got to halftime at 3-0 and were in such command of the game, brought mm. on substitutes. They weren't quite as fluid in the second half and there were a few wobbles actually. And actually a few signs that if they do have to rotate at certain points this season, there is still the possibility of Manchester City dropping points. Yes, there is. Very much so. But the moral of the story is they got the job done first. Mm, yeah, yeah. Arsenal did not. So the foot off the pedal, let West Ham back into it. And then West Ham were more than good value for the point. They were. I mean, a, a disappointing one because when you're at this stage of the season, you know, we talk about statements and sending messages. It is about that though. It is about that. It's about holding serve in a sort of, te- use a tennis analogy. And Arsenal, again, to extend that analogy, have, they've had these sort of tie break moments in, in pivotal games. You can say 2-0 going towards half time with five minutes to go at Anfield. 2-0 with 10 minutes to go till half time again. And it almost feels like Arsenal you know, they say a game has two halves. I don't think, I think for Arsenal, a game has three thirds and you've got the first 30 where they are extraordinary. Mm. And it's the middle 30 actually that's letting them down because we've seen them get late winners. We've seen them do it late. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's really impressive. But that, that game management, there's something going on for them in that midsection, which, which they're going to need for the Champions League as well. Okay, they're going to need that in Next the Champions season, League. Yeah. yeah, they're going to need that too. So that's going to be interesting. This is, this is even looking beyond this title race, what Arsenal go on to become as a squad and as a team. And it's exciting for them in the long term, in the medium term too. Can they sort out that, that game management? Mm. Can they take the heat out of a game? Because that's what the elite Wenger teams did. That's what the elite Ferguson teams, Mourinho teams, and Arsenal are, you know, it's easy to look at their trajectory and forget where they are and how they are actually ahead of schedule. They've kind of exploded ahead of schedule and it's always easy to be critical, but to look at the arc that they're on, that has to be for me the final destination. And that, that is what the um, acquisition of Jorginho is about and the attempted acquisition of Caicedo. Yeah, I thought Jorginho was actually quite good when he came on for Arsenal. He just seemed to inject a bit of life into the tempo, which Arsenal were missing. Mm. I think it's very easy when you your expectations build, you get to this stage of the season, you drop points in successive games, that if you took, a, took them out of isol- in isolation and said, you're going to draw two all the way at Anfield, like we mentioned last week, take mm. four points off Liverpool in a season, Yeah, you'll take that. With West Ham... I think we've said all season like West Ham are, are better than much better than, than the, they've than the been league. showing. They've got yeah. much better players than their 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 league position as would like would suggest. And at this stage of the season where they're fighting for every point to get away from that relegation zone, despite having a tricky European game on Thursday, again, in isolation isn't a dreadful point. It's the context of which those both those results have happened in yeah. at the stage of the season that they have happened in. Looking at Arsenal this year. You look at that first goal, for example, that is a thing that this, that's a goal this Arsenal team was not scoring three years ago. Mm. The way they work that ball in and out of the box along that channel and then just square it and it's a tap in. Like, you know, if you look at that, if you look at that, what, like a minute before that goal goes in, there is, if someone, someone says to you, oh, they'll, they'll get a tap in from here, you would have said, no way. Yeah. No way. How would they break them down? So credit to them for like getting to that level of sophistication, but they've achieved that now. The sophistication is done. It's now the match control. And I just wonder if some part of Arteta's, Arteta's brain, he's thinking, is there a sub I could have made differently? In, in, the, in, the, in these last, mm. if, I, if I could replay those two games, are there changes I could have made tactically or in terms of personnel? I think, well, we discussed this after the Liverpool game, didn't we? That We weren't wild about the changes. Mm. And to be honest, I wasn't wild about the changes in this game. Mm. I also understand that those changes could have had the other effects and you would have been like, wow. Right, right, right. What changes? And I assume it's because of a, a, a load management thing with Gabriel Jesus, but I feel like Martinelli would have been the one that I would have taken off mm. in the latter stages of both of the last two games against West Ham and Liverpool. Mm. Not necessarily that he was playing particularly bad, but just in terms of the ability, that, I mean, there were moments in this game where I think Gabriel Jesus was dropping a little bit too deep, but his ability to all of a sudden turn and be running towards the opposition defence mm. and like switch momentum is a real handy weapon to have late in the game. But the thing I think that was quite disappointing this time from an Arsenal point of view is that they never really looked like creating anything in that last half an hour. Mm. Yes, That's yes, more yes. worrying, yeah, actually. Yeah. The lesson from this, this fixture or this result needs to be you can't pull out a Bournemouth you can't result every week because also it's just emotionally exhausting. You can't sustain that. But if you're relying on that, now we haven't talked about Bukayo Saka's missed penalty, which 
yeah, it's a key part of the game, but still, I don't think that's the reason Arsenal didn't win the game. No, it's a one. It's just merely one effort on target. Exactly. Uh, we, you know, we saw Mo Salah miss the penalty for Liverpool last week, so Arsenal got away one last week. Mm. Yeah, I still think it would, obviously if, if if Saka scores that, then maybe the game goes a little bit different. But that's not the takeaway for me. The, the takeaway should be be more ruthless, even at two 0 when the opposition aren't really showing much signs of life. Kill the game off at half time, and yes. then if you want to fuck around, fuck around because. The thing that was quite frustrating from an Arsenal fan's perspective was that the the passing tempo dropped, the intensity dropped, everything got a little bit lax. It was almost like a little bit complacent. And I, as much as I feel like this team has been um, um, unbelievable in moments this season, they have to be more ruthless because West Ham were showing no signs of getting into that game for the first no. half an hour, really. No. no once they were back into it, they were more than good value for that point and actually Absolutely. could have even nicked the winner. Without question. They got the head off the bar of Mantonio in the last 10 minutes, I think. And, you know, when I say the Upton Park energy, they brought, they really rallied West Ham. They played mm. with so much intensity. They saw those gaps and they, you know, Declan Rice, for example, forced the initiative for that penalty. Shouldn't have, you know, Gabriel, Gabriel, sorry, Gabriel should not have been making that tackle in that position because the first touch was pretty poor and it took, actually the ball got played quite time, easily. Yeah. I think that, yeah. um, so Declan Rice, credit to him for really going at Arsenal. And I think, again, everything you've said is correct. I co-sign that in the sense that you're now a front runner and people will come at you like a front runner mm. and you have to find solutions at that point. And credit to them in terms of how Arsenal developed to this point. And also this is now the final stage. It's, it's what United went through in 06, 07 when they bought Michael Carrick. Um, and it's what United had to go through to win yeah. that first title, the first title, 92-93, and they really were, you know, chased to the wire. When they, you have to kind of, you've got to find that extra level of, you've got to make it feel inevitable in the way that City do. Which is tough to do when you just keep in pace with this Man City side, as we've seen over the last few years, is borderline unthinkable for a lot of teams in the Premier League. Considering the resources the City have, we have to talk about that again. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, like, yeah. Because, you, you, you know, Arsenal lose Tomiyasu, Saliba and then Zinchenko ahead of this game and it's very noticeable. If City yeah. lose three defenders of a similar profile, it's not. And, yeah. you know. And isn't, you know, isn't it awful how the crucial Arsenal, they've been unlucky at Kim Little as well. Arsenal as a club have been very yeah, unlucky yeah. With, with key injuries this year. And people, people thought they were done. This is the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. People thought, Gabriel Jesus, okay, that's the league. Like, there's yep. no point. And look where they are. They're, in, they're still in with a, a chance of it. Listen, all you got to do is go to see him win. That's all you got to do, lads. <laughs> all you got to do. In a weird kind of way, it almost had to be this hard to focus the mind for Arsenal. Like yeah, it almost, is necessary. Yeah, it almost needed to, Yeah, almost, I think the suffering was necessary. Yeah, I'm not sure it's unnecessary. I'm old and I'm tired. I would rather <laughs> the suffering not be so necessary. <laughs> Have you ever seen a more happily neutral man at Anfield than me that time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, a, I was a mess. But um, so Man City, like we mentioned, three one, they beat Leicester. Two more for Holland, who Goodness. is a goal machine. Yeah. Look, this is the thing about Holland as well, and, and about Pep's coaching, the way that Pep improves players who seem to have no, no notable errors improves. The way he improved Aguero's playmaking, mm. actually not not improved it, revived it because Aguero was actually a really good playmaker for Atletico Madrid. And then became a pure poach and became, you know, something else again. And I think watching Holland do what he's done, I think he won't get full credit for the quality of what he does 
in support of his fellow players, but that has yeah. definitely improved in his play. Not that he wasn't good at that at Dortmund, but Pep's taken that up a level, I think, with him. So that's really impressive too. So yeah, two goals for him. Lovely combination with um, De Bruyne for, for the third, for Man City's third, and that kind of put it out of sight. Also, mm. there is a subsection of City centre-backs scoring bangers with their... Well, I mean, John Stones is centre midfielder now. So. The, 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 yeah, the, the Vincent <laughs> Company banger. And now we're going to add the John Stones one as well. Although technically he, played, he did play centre-back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was an amazing finish. It's uh, gorgeous, yeah. Very, yeah. Um, very, very good. We need to big up two managers. We do. Um, I think we actually... Should we go with Unai Emery first? Who? Exactly. <laughs> uh, Aston Villa fans have been begging us to not talk about Villa to yes. the point where we actually had a tweet from um, Michael Swenson who said, hey guys, don't worry about the Newcastle, uh, sorry, don't worry about the Villa-Newcastle match. Heard it just ended up not happening. So no reason to talk <laughs> about Villa this weekend. Probably focus on Chelsea instead. Uh, Michael is a Villa fan. It's a picture with him and his dog. Both in Villa kits on his Twitter profile picture. Which I is love lovely. that. I love that. Um, unfortunately, Villa fans, we're going to have to talk about Villa because Villa are what one of the most informed sides in the Premier League. Worst kept secret in the Premier League. The worst kept secret. Just look at the league table. It's right there. A Villa essentially the first example of, or the first team examples of Firmino's law. What's that? So underrated, they're rated. But everyone kind of knows. Yes, they are. They are. Do you think? The, Maybe this, not the first, but not, like... Not, not the first, but it is interesting. It's fascinating how there are teams now and again that do go under the radar despite being in plain sight. And Villa are one of them. Mm. Um, this was an extremely impressive win. So they beat Newcastle 3-0 and it's hard to... It's hard to emphasize how impressive this result is if you haven't been watching the quality of Newcastle's defending this year. They're absolutely not clowns. And yet Villa dismantled them in really quite sophisticated ways. Well, actually, I say they, they dismantled them in ways that are quite sophisticated and also old school at the same time. So very sophisticated in terms of the places they put pressure on the ball, but also in terms of the goals, like, you know, knockdowns and finishes, pivots in the box. We're talking like sort of nine, what's of Gerd Miller type vibes as well from Ollie Watkins. So an old fashioned centre forward performance on top of an extremely sophisticated tactical mm. um, outlook from Unai Emery, who, as you said, actually, like you were saying earlier, the way that Unai Emery sets up against each individual Premier yeah, He just team, seems to have a plan for everyone. And even if he, they don't execute that plan to the fullest, they give teams problems. Like, they had that weird wall, didn't they? Was it the, um, they lost to Leicester at home, then they lost mm. to City away, and then they lost to Arsenal at home. Mm. But even in periods through the, that run, they were showing some really good signs. Like they, they were kind of unlucky against us. It was two goals. That was an all-timer. That, that game yeah. was an all-timer. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a bit of luck off the bar, off the back of Martinez and in from Well, also, let's be real, a really, a, really a badly underperforming Leicester. Yeah. Leicester have much better pieces than their league position suggests. And that game was kind of a game when they discovered themselves. You know, there's these periodically mm. these games where people are kind of like, oh, we're Leicester and then like you deliver the actual goods. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, what, they won the last, you're saying they won the last five? Oh, well, yeah. So basically, I mean, uh, the, the last five games in the Premier League um, and uh, they've got the same points and goal difference in Man as Manchester City. 
Manchester City have scored a couple more, but Villa have uh, conceded a few less, a couple less, sorry. But yeah, they're unbeaten since they lost to Arsenal uh, two months ago. And even that was a close one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think having someone who's won multiple Europa League titles with different Spanish clubs in charge of Villa, given what a big club they are, it it must just give such a lift intangibly because you know that when, when you've got someone in the dugout, who's been to the very end of like the European journey, who's been to the very end of it, who's coached teams, you know, beyond their individual potential to that point. I mean, you were mentioning, you know, you, you said this about Emery's European League triumph with Villarreal is even more impressive than the one with Sevilla. Yeah, I, I think so. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Like, and then what, and the run he went on the Champions League with them, you know, league, 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 league form struggles with a club that's not the biggest, but at Villa, he'll have resources. Well, let's say maybe like where, not necessarily not the biggest, but where the expectations are to win leagues, yeah, cups, no, no, Champions okay, League. That's fair. He was talking about this at the weekend about how, you know, when they were down the bottom, the main goal is to get out of the bottom three and then mm. it's to get into the top half. And then when you're in the top half, it's like push for, you know, top yeah. five or whatever. And he's, they're just doing that. And yeah. they've been really solid in points. They've been really, really good to watch in an attacking sense sometimes. They're just steady and they're tough to beat. Yeah, and the fact that they're like they've raced up to fifty points, it's it's kind of amazing. The job that he's yeah. done there, that's a good Newcastle side. Eddie Howe said something interesting afterwards, where he was like, "It was the first time that the levels have dipped like that for a while." But I feel like Villa kind of made they forced the level. They did dip. that to them. They did that to yeah. them. Like even even the tactical setup, they played with this sort of four two two one one almost with Brendia floating, and then you're going right at the heart of of Newcastle, you're taking on their defence in a really proactive, aggressive way. You're saying, this is the strongest part of you. We're going to make it the weakest. And they did mm. that. They got what they wanted. Yeah. Led by McGinn, who was amazing again, uh, John McGinn. And really this now, like if you look at candidates and I, you, know, you look at candidates for coach of the year, there are maybe six in the Premier League. There are six candidates, like as in any one of them would be an outstanding coach of the year and it wouldn't even be without a second thought. Some, some of them have been there for half a I season. I mean, you know, Emery's definitely one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, Emery's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Should we move on to another? Let's do it. Roberto De Zerbi. My goodness. My goodness. The way Brighton are moving under this man. It's wild, huh? Yeah, so what? Almost 30 attempts on goal against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. They win the game 2-1. Should have been more. Yeah. They completely dominated Chelsea for pretty much the entire game. Yep. And it wasn't a massive surprise. No. This is an interesting one because I feel like it shows exactly the issue of bringing Lampard back to Chelsea. We were trying to look at it from a kind of semi-glass half-full thing when Lampard yes, went yes. back there, but it was more like, what can Lampard... We know what Lampard can't do, right? Because we've talked about it in, in depth when he was Chelsea manager and when he was Everton manager. But what could he do when coming back there? And one of the things I think we said was essentially take the pressure off. Just be like, just go and play football. Like yes. we're not, we're not going to, you know, we probably won't qualify for Europe. We're still in the Champions League. It's a free hit at the end of the season. Just go and be Chelsea players. They've had three straight defeats. You know, we saw Lampard trying to coach this Chelsea side against a Deserbi's Brighton. It's just not going to work. Which is a damning indictment. Ugh. Even we need to unpick that because, you know, us saying it's just not going to work. What an awful indictment that is of an appointment where the Premier League is a coach's league, right? Mm. And you can have all the man management you like, but you need to have the tactical chops. And 
those other coaches have got man management too. They can motivate, like from top to bottom, like motivation of players is not, it's a thing they can all do. And, you know, Rogers was not undone because he couldn't give stirring team talks. You know, Brendan Rogers can motivate people. He's done it on title runs. But the problem is the style of football you're playing gets exposed week in, week out. You have a Thomas Frank that can come in there with Brentford and just wreck you. Like we, we haven't even talked about Thomas Frank in this podcast in terms of, you know, when I mentioned six coaches of the year, I was like, oh my goodness, there's him too. Mm. And there's Marco Silva, what he did there. Like that's an honourable mention. Like the quality is so high that you look at what Chelsea has happened to them. They've conceded 51 shots on target in three games, half of which came actually against Brighton, but still, right? And in that time, Lampard has faced Lopetegui, Ancelotti, and De Zerbi, none of whom I think it's fair to say are tactical slouches. And the fact that Lampard is so early in his tenure referring to his players making a lack of effort shows to me there's already some kind of an avoidance of responsibility there. Mm. Because I don't think it's fair to see Chelsea players are not running. They are running. We saw them running against Madrid. They were brilliant against Madrid, right? They were really, really going at it. The problem is when you're playing Raheem Sterling as a number nine and you've got Aubameyang right there on the bench, there will rightly be questions about have you got the best striker leading your team? The answer is, I think, no. When you're rotating, making some of the choices he's made, there have to be questions. And I just, unfortunately, no matter how well Lampard motivates Chelsea with his status as a Chelsea legend, it's just never going to make up the shortfall in the tactical And approach. also we've seen glimpses of the, that's, that, I didn't, they, that wasn't performance of Chelsea players kind of thing already. And it's just They like, need to understand mm. what the club is. And I'm like, no, that's not, no. You know, you're trying to go man for man at points against this Brighton side, coached this by Brighton. De Zerbi. Actually, like, you're asking them to do something they've not really done a lot. And that very few yeah. teams can actually hang with, if we're being real. Yeah. Let's move it to Brighton a little bit, because I feel like yeah, the course. things with Chelsea are well known. But yeah, of course. The fact that they can bring on Julio and CISO for Joel Veltman in the 28th minute, and everyone's just like, oh, Brighton have brought on another 19-year-old. Yeah. And then he pings one in the top corner. Against Kepa, who is having a brilliant game, who's actually, whose form has actually been one of the few kind of highlights of quite a difficult period for Chelsea. Mm. Kepa's done some great stuff, and not just his leadership, but his, you know, his quality. And to beat Kepa from there, what, 25 yards? With a strike that doesn't even swerve, it just rises. It's amazing. It was an amazing goal. And this is like... How, how long before we start hearing the 50, 60 million pound rumours for listen, Julio and Ciso? You know what listen. I mean? It's just <laughs> going to happen, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, we talk about gentrification of property. Brighton are the first ever football club to gentrify footballers. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton and Benfica. Oh, what happened to Ciso? Oh, he's been gentrified. Oh yeah, we, we saw his early material was incredible. You know, the first sort of, <laughs> when he was on a limited release coming off the bench for five minutes and now you know it's, it's mainstream <laughs> uh, amazing just an amazing win for Brighton in what yeah. is an amazing season uh, um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Marco Silva uh, his Fulham side beat Everton 3-1 at Goodison good result that they had a bit of a, a wobble mm. and um, yeah uh, Dice kind of threw a little bit of it felt like he threw a little subtle sh- stray at Frank Lampard mm. Um because he said that there was a glimpse of the attitude that had been there before they arrived mm. in this Everton side. And, you know, he thought, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he was just like, you know, we haven't seen it for a while. 
Also, a certain defeatism can set in, I think. It's a difficult one. Everton, yeah. even because Dyche has come in and brought improvement, a lot of improvement, but it's easy to forget just like how low the spirits were. And again, like, you know, Lampard was better second season around, I thought, in, in patches, but yeah, still not, still not what they needed. I still think Everton will stay up. <sighs> Do you know, like, with this league, guess, and this is not even, this is not even me having a go at anybody. I, I just can't call any of it at this point. No, true. I really just can't. True. I just think there's something about, I don't know, Daesh, Everton. It should. No, it should. It should go that way, but dude. Well, the tricky thing is when you, can, when, you, when you sign, when uh, you bring back Roy Hodgson at Palace and they just start being a free-scoring goal machine. He's had the Deserby effect, actually, hasn't he? Because he's so, not Roy's just... still got yeah, it, man. Because he's not just... He hasn't just come in and been like... Do you know actually he's brought He's brought like... Inter. <laughs> He's brought the Inter Roy Hodgson. Uh, Yulin Lopetegui's Wolves beat Brentford 2-0 as a good result for Wolves. Really good, um, yeah. Really, really good. And Diego Costa scored. Mm, rolling back the years. Rolling back the years. We've got this far into the show and we haven't mentioned Bournemouth beating Spurs 3-2 with, with a massively dramatic late period to this game. Oh um, my God, yeah. What a game. It was unbelievable and like a little bit of karma for Bournemouth maybe you know they were on the other end of a late winner uh, when they last went to North London that, mm. that Arsenal win and I thought they were the better side for large periods of this game against Spurs mm. Spurs got into it late on they had a goal disallowed and then Danjuma gets got the equaliser Tony Cruz style grass against cutter his, against his old club and then um Bournemouth go up the other end and Uatara scores. That's a lovely finish. The, what was it? The 90, 95th minute? 99th. What, after the Qatar World Cup, I just assume it's the 100th minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, 10 minute injury times. That's such a massive win for Bournemouth. Uh, they're, now, no, they're now into 14. Two straight, uh, three of their last four they've won. That's which, incredible. That's really an unbelievable. I mean, this is the bad journey. thing for like Everton and down is that like like Forest obviously losing to Manchester United Manchester United winning 2-0 um, Southampton Leicester Forest and Everton all lost at the weekend Leeds we're recording this out of Liverpool Leeds yeah. Leeds Liverpool sorry but you know Palace Wolves Bournemouth West Ham all picking up points that's just opening the gap on that bottom four that's it's not come at a good time that has, this has just been an incredible season in terms of... It's wild. I know yeah. we shouldn't say, oh, the relegation scrap has been so exciting. Not, not meant in that way. But in terms of the quality there, mm. you know, conceivably that last, you know, from, from Wolves, Bournemouth, goodness me, from even, if you look even from like um, Leeds down to Southampton, I think West Ham is slightly almost looking, well, it's too early to call them safe. They're not safe at all, but... In terms of looking at from where, let's say Bournemouth down to Southampton, mm. Wolves might just slightly nudge them way out because Wolves are just good defensively and solid, and they look like. But from fourteenth down to twentieth, you're right. That is any one of those can get it, dude. All to play for still really is incredible. Really is. Incredible. Um, yeah. Shall we take a break and then go elsewhere? Let's do it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, man, shall we go to Germany? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Stumbling title challenges in Germany as well. Mm, Very much so, very much so. I mean, first of all, should we talk about Bayern? Because Bayern drew it home to Hoffenheim. And to be honest, like Matthias Delict was interviewed after the game and he said, um, he actually said that Hoffenheim could have won it, which is true. Um, Bayern have not exactly exploded into life under Thomas Tuchel. They have not. Um, and I feel like in hindsight, appointing him when they did might not have been the best idea. I mean, it's a strange one. We talked about this um, before we were recording about how how weird it must be going into a job when you're, what, two points off top or a point behind mm. the top? So you're you're a point off top and you're pushing for a treble. Like, imagine if someone replaced Pep now. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of what... It's kind of a similar thing, right? I mean, obviously different because Pep is, has been, you know, had that whole infrastructure built around him, but it must be so weird going into that environment. Yeah, there's, something, there's something else happening, I think. Yes, there's that, but there's something else happening. I'm trying to think about this uh, coherently. Tuchel goes into that dressing room knowing that that dressing room got Nagelsmann sacked. Mm. despite Nagelsmann coaching them to a really impressive performance against PSG over two legs. So he's thinking, hang on a minute, there's something wrong here that is not immediately obvious from the outside. For me outside, okay, they're not great in the league, but that, you know, explicable, still going strong in the cup. And they're looking like, well, they they were at the time, but Mm. looking like you're on your way to something. So Nagelsmann looking almost like where, what is, what, what is not, what is not clicking here? I mean, it doesn't help when your first choice goalkeeper breaks their leg skiing in the winter break. Right, wild, wild. Yeah. So, not, so there's a, there's a, the post match interview that um, that Tuchel gives to Archie Rintut, and you see him talk for ESPN FC, and he's talking about this game and how it feels like a, it's a draw that feels like a defeat, and how he doesn't care about Dortmund's drop points; he only cares about his performance, and he means that because he's got to pull back a three-goal deficit somehow against Man City, against that Man City, which is, you know, good luck with that. And Tuchel almost seems like he's acknowledging the scale of the job that has to be done. Mm. While fully aware he won't get credit for it. This is not like Chelsea where you're assembling, you're looking at a squad where, you know, everyone knew that Chelsea squad that won the Champions League 
had some incredible pieces, but they were kind of ill-fitting pieces. It's not the same for the Spine, the spine Squad. The Spine Squad is, is excellent on the surface, mm. but there's stuff to be fixed that is, is both subtle and profound, if that makes sense. And you really, they just couldn't get going against Hoffenheim. Took an early lead through Pavard, who actually has been one of the bright spots of Brighton, of, um, Brighton, of Bayern recently. <laughs> Brighton, Munich. <laughs> oh God, no, let's not start that. Bayern and Hove Albion. But they just, you know, it is bright, uh, Brighton. Bayern can't pull clear. They can't pull clear like the old Bayern where they're one goal up, two goals up, and they just motor, right? Mm. Dortmund are struggling. The old Bayern were like, ah, oh, hmm, it's over. Like the old, the old Bayern would get that win over Dortmund and then just go on a run and it'd be league done. It's not happening anymore. Really interesting. No, we said that uh, there would be some drop points and, you know, because Tuchel's coming in at this stage of the season and trying to, and Tuchel trying to implement his methods is, mm. it's going to, there's going to be some teething problems. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm thing, only laughing because I'm just thinking of the austerity measures. Well, the only thing <laughs> I was thinking, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it kept, in the Hoffenheim game, I mean, Hoffenheim were, the Kramaritz's free kick was amazing and yeah, worthy, yeah, yeah, worthy yeah. of a point. Yeah. Jan Sommer had another Spazia gang. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a walk around, yeah. An afternoon stroll. Exactly. But, it kept cutting to Oliver Kahn and Hassan Salahamazic, and especially Kahn towards the last stages of the game, who had moved out of his seat and was kind of like doing the nervous, nervous exec thing. Mm. Like, what if they rattle off two more draws in the Bundesliga? They could easily do that. And they go out, and they're, what if they don't turn it around against City, which I, I doubt. I mean, they have to be some performance. Obviously, Sadio Mane suspended for punching Leroy Sane, yeah. who allegedly said something not great, which yeah, was then yeah. dismissed by the club, but it's, there's multiple reports flying around of different things, so we yeah, won't yeah, speculate yeah. too much. Like, it's a little bit, it's a little bit noisy. It is, it is noisy. Absolutely. And I wonder how noisy it have to get before you start wondering whether it was the right idea firing a guy because, you know, he longboarded around the training ground. Not only, I admit, but still, um, you brought in a brilliant, innovative manager and you sacked him because elements of what that means didn't work for you in terms of the optics. Well, look, if the best preacher, if the best young preacher in the country comes to the sermon wearing a hoodie, how angry can you be? Like, he's the best young preacher in the country and there's a reason he's connecting with the people. Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't think Nagelsmann did everything right by any means, but I also feel like when you pay that amount of money for a coach to get him out of his contract, you essentially pay a transfer fee for them. I think he was working it out. There were some poor performances, yeah, for sure, but they were still on for trouble. I just think when you get that much out, I think when you get that much out of Kimmich and you get that much out of Thomas Muller as he did in the league, you know what you're doing at a fundamental level. And I think Bayern... They became victims of looking at the German context and not the European one, because in the European context, I was looking at Bayern and going, and I keep talking about the second leg against PSG, and I know PSG were terrible, but Bayern made them look terrible. And I was like, they are dangerous again. That team is eating anybody's lunch, given the chance. I wonder what the, what the effect must be on a squad when, like I said before, you know, you're, you're, you're essentially in contention for a treble mm. and they fire the coach. It's a bit like, whoa. Because what, I mean... Listen, I mean, this is all just us kind of shooting the shit. There's not outside, real yeah. yeah. We're, we're not I mean, inside it. We're not in it. 
They sacked Nagelsmann. They what sacked. If, they but sacked what if him. they drop more points? Like, yeah, what no, if they? Yeah. What if they? What if they rattle off two more draws? Like, they're not really scoring goals from their front line no. at the moment. Anyway, like, what happens? The Sadio transfer has not. It's not been the success. I mean, the, we the, they were absolutely saved by, well, a combination of ten man Stuttgart and uh, Dortmund, who drew three all at the uh, Mercedes Benz Arena. Um, Mavropanos got two yellows in four minutes and was off before half time Dortmund yeah. at the time were 2-0 up thanks to Sebastian Aller and Daniel Marlin uh, goal and assist for Marlin Marlin shout out to him he's really I always yeah. like giving you know he, he's someone who struggled to get his scoring touch early on yeah. but has found that and now just he's been contributing. in really good form yeah he yeah. is I'm really happy for him yeah um, and uh, Dortmund seemed to be much, much like Arsenal actually in the Premier League seemed to be in a pretty good spot yeah. And then um, Tangi Kulabali got a goal back for Stuttgart. Um, Joshua Wagnermann got the second back with about six minutes to go. Gio Reyna had come on at that point and scored the winner on the, in the 90th, well, what they thought was the winner in the 93rd minute. And then four minutes later, Silas had gone up the other end and scored for Stuttgart in the 97th minute to get them a massive point. Yeah. Um, but just another really silly result for Dortmund. It's frustrating, you know, inexperienced backline. It, fr- yeah. it was an inexperienced backline that led to that concession. Not to name names, we're not going to call out any individual players. But just in terms of, you know, talked about game management. Arsenal should manage the middle of games maybe better and Dortmund should manage the end of games. Yeah, and it's Dortmund a small this, thing. A similar thing, sorry to cut in, a similar yeah, yeah. thing with, with Dortmund and Arsenal, just the, like feeling the effects of injuries a little bit more than... Very much maybe so, very like, much well, so. Much more than Bayern would and much more than City would. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's still two points in it at the top of the Bundesliga. Um, Bayern go to Mainz next, Dortmund host Eintracht Frankfurt. So who bloody knows? Right. Um, down the bottom, Sandro Schwarz was fired by Hertha after their 5-2 defeat on Friday against Schalke. And uh, guess who's back? <laughs> Return of the pal. Return of the Back pal. again. He's gearing himself up for one last escape mission so he can go on the TV, get interviewed with his cigar again. Being Incredible. Like, we, got we got it. We did it. We did it. We got out of trouble. One of my favourite things is travelling the underground um, in Berlin because I've got you know, the, the news updates on the, like, the TV yeah. screens and just like Pal Dardai back at Hertha. <laughs> like, this will be the third time I've seen yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> um, Hertha are in big trouble they're going down man they're five points off automatic safety at the moment and um, yeah they, bleak 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 yeah Schalke were good though and that was a massive win for Schalke lifts them up to they're just three points behind Borkum who uh, are in 15th so yeah with Stuttgart's point against Dortmund it's well Stuttgart saved themselves the last day didn't they last time, time. Yeah. laid on and they might make it out to the wire again and, you know, Hertha got out of trouble with the playoff and they've been flirting with relegation for, well, I mean, to be honest, since the whole big city club thing was yeah. was underway and Vindhorst came in and oh, it's just been a mess there. Can man. we just throw, throw in again while we're talking about Berlin? Incredible that Union Berlin are in third place in the Bundesliga. I know we keep talking about this. It cannot, we cannot normalise this. <laughs> did you see incredible. them? Uh, did you see their 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 banners for the survival of clubs like like music clubs mm. because of a motorway being built? Oh, amazing, amazing to see that! And um, the banner from the ultra said "After Hour, not Rush Hour." 
which I thought was very clever. Love that. Love to see it. Staying in Germany, big result in the Frauenpokal. Yes, big result. So Wolfsburg beating Bayern 5-0 in Munich in the cup semi-final. And with just, when Wolfsburg turn it on like they did, like Jan Stottier, they really, they go at, Jan Stottier got two of the first three goals. Game was done at that point, uh, 3-0. And Bayern just really struggling to make inroads there. This Wolfsburg just come with that level of intensity that Arsenal will have to be very wary of when they face them in the Champions League semi. Yeah, Wolfsburg have had those moments every so often where like, ah, like the 2013 Wolfsburg is back. Actually, since we're name dropping, I did run into the great, the great, the great Beck Smith in London, the captain, the captain of the Wolfsburg treble side. I was very, I was, was, I was, I did not, uh, chill was not maintained, put it that way. (laughs) Chill was not maintained. But yeah, they were really impressive against um, Bayern. They're outstanding. In the other semi-final, Freiburg beat RB Leipzig 1-0 with a very, very, very late winner. Mm. And so they will go into the final against Wolfsburg in Köln. Nice. Let's go to Spain quick. Let's do it. Before we get out of here. Yes, yes. For the first time in 15 years, Barcelona have gone three consecutive games without scoring. They drew 0-0 with Getafe. Uh, Gabi was booked with inside, inside two minutes, which I think is quickest that a Barcelona player has been booked I think I can't remember who it was it's been a while isn't it so funny how it's exactly who expected to be (laughs) here we go Uh, from Octa Jose 1 minute 23 Gavi's yellow card against Getafe is the second fastest seen by a Barcelona player in La Liga in a La Liga game since at least the 2005-06 campaign after one to Luis Suarez in December 2017, which came after 57, uh, 58 seconds against Celta. So Suarez got the yellow. So Suarez was the fastest after 58 seconds. Gavi's the second since then. I think, I assume 2005-06 is when they started recording it. Uh, or when they go back. Do you know I want to know? Do you, do you know the stat I want to know? I want to know the stats. And this is, if any stat has listened to Stadio can help us. I want to know who is guilty of the quickest tactical foul in the big five leagues. Probably you. I don't know why. <laughs> First two seconds of this podcast. Musa <laughs> tactically fouled himself to get to get to get booked in the first minute. Um, yeah, Kevin Williams wrote an interesting thing, basically just about how poor Barca, like the performance has been from Barca. And if they were someone like Ronald Koeman mm. in charge, then maybe there'd be a little bit no- more noise about them. Koeman gave Barca some green shoots, though. We have to give him credit yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, we did. when you rock up with, that, with loafers and no socks on in your first game in charge, it was just... You accept the tone, don't you? Can I say this as well, though? I still love the Copa del Rey victory. That yeah. is one of the loveliest games. In terms of, like, just one of the team goals that Barca scored there, I just thought, yeah, this is how it could look. Mm. It's the beginning of something. Anyway. Um, Barca host Atleti next. And speaking of Atleti, they built up. They beat Almeria 2-1. Antoine Griezmann with a brace. Uh, 12 goals, 11 assists this season. He's and been amazing. He's Griezmann been really, is an incredible, really incredible footballer. Yeah. I would love to see Griezmann in the Premier League just for one season. Like this Griezmann, like midfielder Griezmann. Oh, like, he's, oh he's, my got, God. he's got Chelsea in a season or two, like nailed on. You know, actually, poor Griezmann, because we're running around going, oh my God, Bernardo Silva's so versatile. And Griezmann's like, look at me. I was doing this before I was edgy. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just all the silliness. That's true. Athletic Club beat Real Sociedad 2-0 in the Basque derby. Two goals from Iñaki Williams and uh, Athletic were very, very good. Two um, goals in the Basque derby. Just imagine the levels. 
at what point do you, that's like such a historic thing. I know. That's like the highlight of most players' careers. Yeah. So good. Incredible. Before we get out of here, do you want a Serie A update? Yeah, very quick. I just want to uh, throw a couple of um, results out there. So shout out to Sassuolo for beating uh, Juve 1-0 um, yes, because Juve have shown some signs of life recently. So shout out to them. Great result. Uh, and also the Napoli draw against Verona at home, which is the first time they've gone goalless um, consecutive games at home this season. So Napoli losing ideas at a point of the season where they shouldn't be running out of ideas. Mm. Um, they've had all this there's all this stuff going yeah. on with the ultras protesting though as well which Spalletti came out and said that you know I oh, really basically if like uh, if they don't sort this out I will quit no what what, 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 the, what are the ultras saying they've been kind of silent or like staying away since the Milan game and it's a little bit of in terms of like protesting against ticket prices and some stuff for the president like the president's they don't vibe too well. Yeah, the president's come out with some stuff about like not buying certain players. Even like he he mentioned about not buying African players because they lose them for Afcon. I'm like, Osman's right there. Like, come on. Yeah, man. the ultras essentially went on strike. There was just a bit of a clampdown on some of the the stuff that they could do. I'm not saying ultras are always right. At the same time, if ultras are concerned, it's always worth just checking in with mm. them because they're going to need everyone to be completely aligned for them to beat Milan. This is the time they actually need to come out. And I, I, I don't, I can't sort of pass what Spalletti said too closely. It's more that with that game a couple of days away, it just pays to be a bit more conciliatory in terms of we understand that there are concerns and at the same time, like we need everyone to be together yeah. on this. You know, yeah, I, 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 think, I, think, I think the Spalletti yeah. thing basically just kind of shook them both up and like De Laurentiis put a thing on Twitter with some, I think some ultras leaders and it was just like kind of like together for Napoli kind of thing. Yeah, they, they, um, they, they, they're going to need that though. They're going to yeah, need that. Yeah, they really are. But um, but yeah, I feel like it's kind of, there's a big game coming up against Milan in the Champions League and they're going to need to turn that around big time. And you see how Osimhen, you see what he gives them, even in a nil-nil, hit the bar from distance and just yeah. is such a catalyst and that is such an unfortunate injury. And then we, look, football's a squad game. Yes, and also there are essential, there are, you know, to coin that for there are key workers mm. and Osimhen is absolutely key to anything they do. Yeah. So yeah, fingers crossed that they can deliver to their potential because Milan look exciting in terms of like this is this is the this is it for them. Yeah. The Champions League is it's it's the only horse they got really yeah. um left running when this he, year. When he came back on with he came out he came on in this game to Nibi and I, th- I imagine he'll start in the Milan game. Mm. Ossiman, so yeah. I just we'll hope see. they both I hope Milan and Napoli just both give their best really. I want to Yeah, see I mean I'm looking forward to that game probably. Regardless more, who wins, yeah. I want to see a classic. Yeah, Roma solidly in third after being Udinese as and Milan dropping points to Bologna against Bologna and into losing again. Jersey this for time Chelsea. Jersey for Chelsea. Jersey for Chelsea. Maybe he's going to come back. You never know. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I reckon we might leave it there for today. Let's do it. Any or is there anything else you want to? No, no, all good, uh, all present and correct. Nice. All right. Well, um, it's Champions League week, so we'll be talking about that on Thursday. Uh, like we mentioned, go and check Wright's house and Counterbreast this week. Um, don't forget to check the Stadio Archers plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on If I Could by The Teeks. Uh, anything you'd like to add, Musa Nothing further. All right, everyone, much love. Have a great week. We'll be back with you on Thursday. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 